that on? Can you hear me? That on? Okay. <clears throat> well, it's uh, uh, like a little past time for us to start. Appreciate everybody braving the weather um, and uh, getting out in this stuff. And uh, I'm glad to see nobody got to the door and turned around and went home. So good to have everybody here. Uh, before we begin, uh, let's begin with a word of prayer. Garrett, would you lead us in prayer, please, sir? God, thank you for this time before we can come together and study your word. Thank you for bringing us here safely and for the, work, the rain that we're receiving. Thank you for all that you've given us. We pray that we'll become better servants of you. We ask your forgiveness for we you and that you'll be with us always. And please be with those who are on the sick list and those in special need of you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Man. Well, the subject tonight is uh, biblical interaction between younger and older men. Um, and as uh, you know, as Randy said, as we came in, I guess uh, the deeper we want to dig, the deeper we can go. But hopefully, uh, we'll find that that uh, things we talk about tonight are really not that difficult. But hopefully, just to bring to remembrance some things that. You may already know, or maybe think about some things in a little bit different light than uh, you did before. Uh, but as Christians, when we consider our relationship with one another, how we interact, how we treat each other, uh, we think of general commands like uh, you know, love one another. Obviously, First Corinthians chapter thirteen talks about that and how we're patient, we're kind, and unselfish. Uh, we, we we think about commands. Um, like we, like we read in Matthew chapter 22, verse 39, when Jesus talks about the greatest command, the first being to love the Lord God with all your heart and soul and mind, and then the second, uh, to love uh, uh, your neighbor as yourself. We think about those commands. And that's one of the commands that he says that all of the law of the prophets, uh, uh, all of the law and the prophets hang on, on this, this command as well as the first one. We think about the, the, the submitting to one another in the fear of Christ as we read about in Ephesians chapter 5. He tells us to do that, submit to one another in the fear of Christ. And there's many other uh, one another passages that we've been studying about on Wednesday night um, that, uh, that should help us to govern, to govern our relationships with one another, uh, whether we're man, whether we're woman, whether we're old, or whether we're young. But tonight we want to focus on how, how some of these commands and principles may apply specifically to older and younger men as we work together in the local church. Um, while there's not a lot of specific commands to older men regarding younger men, and there's not a lot of specific commands regarding uh, young men regarding older men, uh, there, are, there are some. And... Uh, and and while in principle they're not difficult to understand, uh, difficulty is created often, as, as is often the case, when we try to apply these principles while we battle our own uh, will and stubbornness. And uh, uh, so, as we look at this, let's, we'll uh, hopefully we'll, we'll gain some some things that might benefit us. Um, what I want to do at first is let's just look at some examples of uh, of 
of what things that we read in the Bible regarding uh, examples of relationships between younger and older men. If you would turn to Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13. Uh, one of the first ones I thought about was Abraham and Lot. Um, and we won't, we won't read uh, all of this. I mean, there's several chapters that, that talk about Abraham and Lot and their relationship together. But Abraham was Lot's uncle. And we assume that Abraham was older, uh, but they lived together and they apparently uh, operated their livestock herds together. And we read that when things got crowded and grass became scarce, it was Abraham who suggested that they separate and they go separate ways in order to preserve space or preserve peace. Uh, and so, so when, when things got crowded and grass got scarce, their herdsmen were fighting among, among one another. And so it was Abraham's idea to, to, to separate and, uh, and go, go separate ways. Uh, in fact, in verse 8, he says, Then Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, nor between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. So this tells us a little bit about how Abraham viewed Lot. Not only is this confirma- confirmation of their kinship, but, uh, but I feel it's an expression of probably how Abraham feels toward Lot. Um, and we're going to come back to that concept a little bit later. Uh, over in chapter 14, we see that uh, uh, is the account of when Sodom was, was invaded. Uh, and this is where Lot had cast his, his tents towards Sodom uh, and eventually lived, lived in the city. And in, in chapter 14, is the account of the invasion of Sodom by the surrounding kings, and Lot was taken captive. And we see what Abraham did. He pursues the captors. And he rescued Lot and all his possessions and his family. Um, And then in chapter 18, we see Abraham bargaining with God. And when God is threatening to destroy uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, he bargains with God on behalf of Lot and all his family that God would not destroy the city. And of course, we know that uh, as he bargained down that there were not even ten righteous people in the whole city, and so God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, in chapter 19, uh, verse 29, uh, says that uh, it says that thus it came about when God destroyed the cities of the valley that God remembered Abraham, and he sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot lived. So it was because of Abraham that God saved Lot. So we see that the relationship that Abraham had with Lot. Not only was he blood kin, but he considered him as a brother uh, in that. Uh, another example that I thought about was Eli and Samuel. Uh, and you remember that Samuel was, was committed at an early age uh, to serve in the temple. And that, that account is, is found in, in 1 Samuel chapter 3. And we know that Eli, remember that Eli was the high priest at that time. And Samuel... Uh, was serving there in the Lord's temple, um, and uh, Samuel uh, was hearing voices at night, you know, calling his Samuel, Samuel, and he would go to Eli, and I would presume he would wake him up, and you can picture this, that Eli is an older man, 
and probably like to sleep. And he would tell him, go, go back and lay down. And so Samuel would go back and lay down, and he would, he would hear voices again, Samuel, Samuel. And so he went back to Eli, assuming that Eli was calling him. He said, no, I'm not calling you. Go back and lay down. And the third time, Eli perceived that, that God was, was, was talking to Samuel, and he told him how to answer, uh, answer him. Uh, here we see Eli's... Uh, interaction with Samuel. He didn't, didn't get short-tempered with him. He didn't lose his patience. Uh, he didn't overreact or condemn him for imagining things. Uh, he instructed him in what to do, and likewise, Samuel heeded what Eli told him to do and uh, ended up receiving instructions from God. Other examples we think about in the Old Testament are Samuel and David as he anointed him king. Uh, we think of Elijah and Elisha that uh, we've studied on Sunday morning. Uh, and then we come to the New Testament, and we see the example of Paul and how he interacts with Timothy, I think is a, is a big uh, example of a younger and an older man. And we know that Timothy was a student of Paul's um, and a young preacher that Paul had mentored. Um, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, Paul refers to Timothy uh, as my true child in the faith. Uh, but then, uh, and also in chapter, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, he, he refers to him as my beloved son. Now, we, most likely he is referring to him as his child or his son in the faith because he uh, was uh, taught by Paul. Uh, but I think we see that uh, he expresses a little deeper, more personal connection uh, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, looking at verse 3 and verse 4, uh, when he says that I constantly remember you in my prayers, not in day, longing to see you, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. So he, not only does he uh, look at him as his spiritual child, he looks at him a little closer than that. He has a a special relationship with Timothy. Uh, and here we see that Paul, as supposedly an older man, he, he treats Timothy, a younger man, as a son. And we see, that, uh, uh, we see through his writings how he does that. And so uh, looking through the writings of Paul to Timothy, we see that one, uh, Paul reassures Timothy. If you look in, chapter, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, First um, Timothy chapter one verse. Uh, I'm sorry. First Timothy chapter four. Uh, if you look in verse nine, he says that the saying the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this we end and to we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Um, Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example uh, in speech, uh, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. He, he's encouraging him in how, how to behave, how to conduct himself. Um, he encourages and he motivates him. Uh, we see earlier in this chapter, um, in verse 6, in chapter 4, verse 6, uh, it says, if you put these things before your brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the doctrine that you have followed. Um, 
and also in Second Timothy, he he uh, he he says has similar sentiments. There, he, he encourages him, he motivates him. Uh, if you look in Second Timothy, um, chapter one, uh, verse six. Um, he says, for this reason I remind you to fan into the into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Uh, he says in verse 8, he says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, uh, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. He's encouraging Timothy um, uh, as, as an older man to a younger man. It says in verse 13, follow the pattern of the sound words that I've, that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So he's a, he, we see him encouraging him, him, motivating him to continue, um, to continue serving. Uh, he places trust in him. And back in 1 Timothy, um, chapter 1, verse 18, um, he says, I, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, and according to the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, um, holding faith and a, and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made reciprocal of their faith. He's, uh, he's entrusting him to this message um, that, he's, that he's given him. And then we see in, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, um, a little more instruction that uh, would pertain to our class tonight. Uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1, he says, he says, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Um, so here we see that Paul, uh, using the illustration of a family, he commands Timothy to treat older men as fathers, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters. Um, in this passage, he specifically addresses a harsh rebuke. Um, a harsh rebuke often creates resistance, um, especially when you have somebody younger than you doing it to you, right? Uh, when, you, when you have somebody talk to you like that in a, in a harsh tone, you automatically bristle and, 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 and want to respond. But here he says, um, he addresses how we should, should treat one another, especially when dealing with a harsh rebuke. Why? Why do you suppose he says he says that we are to treat older men as fathers and younger men as brothers? Why do you suppose that we don't treat younger men as sons? Reagan? <laughs> that just that jumped out to me when you read it. I don't guess I never thought about it before, but maybe. Uh, there's something to treating somebody almost as an equal, even though they're younger than you, uh, that it's not condescending, you know. Um, and so it's treating them like a brother instead of patting them on the head like a son, I guess. Yeah. Knowing our tendencies as men, 
um, how would you treat your son versus how you treat your brother? My son, he's going to do it. I'm going to make him do it. Uh, my brother, I can't make him do it. I'm going, to, I'm going to approach him a little bit differently than, than he would if he were my son. Now, as I was studying that, that was one thing that, 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 that struck me that I'd never noticed before or thought about before. But he, uh, he makes a point here. You know, whereas we're to treat older men as a father, we're to treat younger men as a brother. Um, interesting, interesting point there. Um, you know, disagreements that we have are often the source of the problem when we mistreat each other. It's not when we're getting along that we have problems. It's usually when we disagree about something that we have issues. Um, and uh, this, this takes special uh, emphasis here in this passage when he's talking about a harsh rebuke. It uh, doesn't mean you are not to rebuke one another, but when doing so, we're supposed to treat each other as he's prescribed here. Um, another thought is, or my thought is, uh, an older man, you are supposed to, is supposed to be an example to a young man. So he, I should be looking at him as an example, and, and younger Younger people, I am responsible for how they my influence to them. Yeah, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna emphasize that a little bit more um, here in just a few minutes. But that that is exactly right. Um, uh, the uh, as we we're gonna view people that are older than us, men that are older than us, totally different, obviously. And the way we view men that are older than us, we're supposed to be viewed by men that are younger than us. And so that, I think that's what uh, uh, goes along with the point you're making there. You know, Paul, he, Paul also instructs Titus um, in Titus chapter 2, um, verses, uh, verses, verses 1 and 2. Um, in fact, he calls him his child as well. And of course, this is in a spiritual nature here as well. Um, but he says in, in verse 1 and 2, he, he says, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in the faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Um, and then in verse 6, he gives some instructions to, uh, to younger men. Uh, he says that likewise urge the younger men to be self-controlled. That's a pretty short list in comparison. Um, also in First First Peter chapter five, First um, Peter chapter five verse five, uh, he says that you younger men likewise be subject to your elders. And all of you clothe uh, yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Uh, here in this passage, uh, the word elders is referring to those who are older, not those who are not necessarily those who hold the office of an elder. So he tells them to be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another. Um, 
So this, this might also mean you younger men likewise be subject to those older than you. Um, any, any thoughts to this point? Don't I remember there a key point in my life an older man talked to me um, you know, as I was a kid. And uh, just, just a simple fact that, that uh, this man spoke to me, looked at me, and you know, maybe touched my shoulder uh, was very impactful. It doesn't have to be much that an older man does. I think we forget that. It's just that first lesson may be just to interact at all. Of course, in a good way, but just to interact. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. We, sometimes we don't realize how much impact we have with, with the simple acts a lot of times. Um, that's a good point. Um, anything else? Some of the other passages um, that that give some instruction or in, enlightenment on the subject, we look in the Old Testament, uh, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 32. It says that you shall rise up before the gray-headed and honor the aged, and you shall revere your God. I am the Lord. Um couple of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 31, says, A gray head is a crown of glory. It is found in the way of righteousness. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 29, says, The glory of young men is their strength, and the honor of old men is their gray hair. Um, it's pretty clear here that the Lord says that there should be a level of respect uh, that we give to older men just simply because they're older. Um, however, as we read in Job chapter 32, verse 9, uh, older doesn't always mean wiser. I mean, he says that the abundant in years may not be wise, um, and uh, nor may elders understand justice, and that is true as well. I mean, I'm sure all of you can 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 list men who may be older, um, probably not uh, members here in the world, but, you know, in the world I'm thinking that an older man doesn't necessarily just mean that he's wiser. Uh, but, there, but, but God, through his, uh, through his writing, especially in the Old Testament, indicates to us that there should be a level of respect that we give to, to older men just because they're older. Um, uh, Exodus, and we, we start looking at at uh, some other other writings, and we see in Exodus, we see in Deuteronomy, we see in Ephesians that we're to honor your father and your mother. Uh, these are not the passages that say obey. These are the passages that say to honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which uh, the Lord your God gives you. Um, so you honor them because they are who they are. You honor them because they're your father and your mother. <coughs> Um, uh, you know, there's some other passages that, in principle, deal with uh, the older and the younger. Um, in, in, in the New Testament, in Ephesians chapter six, verse four, we're told as fathers, "Do not provoke 
your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Uh, as older men, uh, should not provoke the younger men to anger. We should know uh, how to handle them in certain situations as to not stir up anger. Um, in First Timothy chapter four verse twelve, as we as we read a while ago, Paul writes to Timothy. He says, "No one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example to those who believe." Now, this doesn't teach that if I'm a young man that I'm supposed to bow my back and show these older guys uh, who I really am. I mean, it's not teaching that at all, but it's it's it suggests that by the way I live and the way I conduct myself, that I'm proving myself to be righteous and just. And I'm proving myself to be an example by the way I live. Uh, not trying to show uh, those older guys uh, who I am and, and why they should respect me. Uh, so here, here's a question. Who is... Who in here is older? Who in here is younger? How do we answer that? Right? You notice that there's not any directions to, you old men do this, or you young men do this. It's older and it's younger, and the terms are relative. So what that tells me that in certain settings, I'm older than some, okay? Um, and in other settings, I'm younger than some. Uh, so depending on the setting, depending on who I'm dealing with, depending on who I'm interacting with, my responsibilities may change depending on who the other party is. So if I'm interacting with an older man, then I'm supposed to behave as the younger man. I have those responsibilities that are dictated to me as a younger man. Whereas if I am interacting with someone younger than me, then I'm, I'm the older man and I have responsibilities uh, dictated to the older man. And this goes back to what Monty was, was saying earlier. All right, so um, let's look at, I think I got this right. So let's look at this. Okay, so we have certain instructions and principles that apply to the older men. Um, so we, we read that, that Paul had instructed Titus to be sober-minded, teach, teach that the older men be sober-minded or temperate. Some, some may translate that. To be dignified, to be self-controlled or sensible, some translations say. Be sound in faith, in love, in steadfastness or perseverance. Uh, and older men are told to treat the younger men as brothers. Okay? Um, and then there are commands or applications to younger men. Um, it says also in Titus, the younger men are to be self-controlled or sensible. Uh, and First Peter says you're to be subject to your elders. Um, and in First Timothy 5, to treat older men as fathers. And as we read in, in some of the passages in the Old Testament, that we're to give older men honor that is due them just because of who they are. Okay? 
But then we see that, that there are some that we both have to follow. Okay? He says in Ephesians that we're to submit to one another uh, in Christ. We're to submit to one another. And in 1 Peter that we're to be humble. And the Lord resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so regardless of the situation you're in, regardless of who you're interacting with, this is how you're supposed to be. You're supposed to submit to the other, uh, be willing to submit to the other and to be humble. Um, you know, these principles are specified to younger and older men. Let me stop, let me stop right there. I mean, did anybody have any comments or thoughts? Thank you brought up the point of, of old being relative because when my, my, my dad, the last three years my dad lived, I learned more about the father and son relationship than I did the rest of my years. Uh, dad was 92 when he passed away, but way the things I learned about how to interact with him and treat him as an older as my father but as a, as a brother in Christ and an older man was a lot different than in my younger years because it, you know, when they get to that age when you get to that age you're it's like it's almost like they need that respect more than than when they're younger and and you learn not to argue or tell them how to do things uh, when they get to the point to where they need your help you just try to go with the flow in other words and just you just earn a lot more respect by doing that that way just i'm just saying that so that if you get in the situation with a with your father when he gets to the point to where uh, where he needs your help all the time he depends on you Treat him with respect, just like he did you when you were younger. It's a lot different, and I learned a lot from that. Something I remember because uh, in my old age I was Catholic because I'm from where I come from, and I remember I don't respect my father when I was young the way it's supposed to be. Because in my culture or my religious time that time, he didn't know what it is now. <clears throat> I imagine how much love and respect for him to my father, he was a Christian when I was young, like kids, you know, young people. Because at the end, we come father and mother, we need to love them because we are here for them. That's the way we come. The Lord came to us to them. And I really lately appreciate too much to be here with my brothers because I learned a lot lately. Because we know what is outside. And the best way to learn and apply we are inside. Truly love one another and apply to our family in order to know what is love really is. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how old you are, you can learn those things, right? Yeah. Uh, and how to treat one another and love for one another. Because it doesn't, it, it's not an age thing there. That applies across the board. Anything else? 
Sir. In First Kings, second chapter, you have led for us the uh, David's dying is giving instructions to his son. He's telling his son what he needs to do. And uh, while that's talking about the father and son relationship, and one that all of us fathers should should practice with our sons, even when they're older, we are still giving them instruction. But also I think you can make the make the uh, application that those of us that are older we should look out for these young men and give them that instruction and give them that encouragement to walk as they would instruct us all. Good point. Um, you know, just just we made the made the point that we're to treat um, younger men as brothers, and just because that's the case doesn't mean we don't have responsibility to teach those. Um, who um, who are younger, and that I, I would think that would apply to younger age-wise, as as well as younger in the faith. Uh, Paul had many children in the faith that were probably the same age or maybe older than he was, and um, uh, and so the desire to teach them, whether they're children in the faith or um, younger in age, should be there uh, for us. Um, as as we interact one uh, one with another. Anything else? John, since you said that over in Acts 15, you said we're following Barnabas, knowing that Paul was younger than the apostles. They go back over to the apostles and elders of Jerusalem to actually a heavy debate over the circumcision that, that they were teaching. And so that that was another instance where you know how did they approach that? You know how how did they go into there and be Paul being an apostle way after the time of all the other apostles? And trying to, and they're all led by the Holy Spirit. So it's like, just kind of wonder how all that went down. I'm sure there was a lot of respect there, but they say it was much, much debate. Yeah. Knowing there's got to be a pretty good age gap between the the, the original apostles and Paul. Well, not only age, but experience. And and um, um, yeah. So how we handle those situations? I think you know if if we're able to apply, you know, these things, then then we should. Should be able to interact with one another, seeking each other's best interests, and uh, and work together. And and when we do that, I mean, when we apply these principles to us, uh, whether we are younger in certain situations or whether we're older in certain situations, it's going to promote a spirit of cooperation. Uh, it promotes a spirit of encouragement, um, teamwork, and fruitfulness as we as we work together to accomplish God's purposes and his plan. Uh, you can see that there's no place in, in any of this for pride. There's no place for, for rebellion uh, uh, in, the, in these relationships of, of older and younger men. Um, you know, love for God and love for one another, um, humility, and a spirit of submission has got to be at the forefront um, if we're going to, uh, if, if we work together, because we'll be we'll find ourselves in situations where we're working with with younger men. We'll find ourselves in situations where we work with older men, and uh, we'll find ourselves in situations where we really have to work hard to apply these things because maybe the other party is not, and uh, uh, that's that's where it gets difficult. But that's where we have to to remain resolved to to do that. Um,
Anybody have anything else? Eric. Uh, about mutual respect, you know, I remember when I was younger talking to older men who would give me time and consideration to consider what I was saying. Now that I'm older, looking younger guys, I realize what a compliment that was to me. And uh, I don't know, that's the word I'm looking for, but you know, for an older guy to actually listen to what a younger man has to say, say I can learn from these younger guys. There is a lot we can learn from them, and then you know, we can get to where well, you know, I've got it all figured out. I can't learn anything with these young whippersnappers, no. But you know, I remember being younger and being Sometimes if we're able to remember those things, it, it, it's helpful uh, as we interact with, with, with younger men as well. Yes, sir. Well, to what Eric is saying, I think, I don't know if I'm the only one, but I think sometimes in my relationship with younger men, I feel a pressure almost to have everything figured out, have all the answers, um, you know, especially they come to me asking for stuff. But I think there is something to what Eric is saying that you know, I, there's a lot I can learn from them sometimes I need to say, you know, I don't know, what do you think, you know, or I don't know, let's both go ask somebody else. Um, and so that's, that shows respect, but it's also that humility that we're talking about there. And without that humility, we're not going to be able to have the respect to say, you know, I can listen to them, I can learn from them, instead of it all just being them learning from me. That's a good point. point. Anything else? All right, well, I've asked uh, Reagan to, to come clean up my mess and uh, add anything that, uh, that he thinks might be pertinent. I think about why do the instructions toward the younger so much? You know, in those two examples that you gave about being respectful to the older people, I've already been there. So I can see the value of that. Well, the problem is, I'm not sure I really understood that at that 30 to 50 range. You know, like for example, one of the reasons why there's much knowledge in a college is because the freshmen bring in so little, so much, and the seniors carry out so, so little. In other words, when you're younger and as you're uh, speaking of myself, learning things, gaining knowledge, gaining experience, you're young, you're vibrant, energetic, uh, life is full, it's exciting, and you're moving, growing uh, in your job, in relationship with people, as you gain levels of authority and things of that nature, there's a temptation there to think you know it all. I'm speaking of myself now. 
So therefore, I can see the value of that warning to the younger of respecting those older. And again, in confession, I can remember how I would think about some of the older people. Well, they're just not getting it. They don't see it like I do. If they could see it from my viewpoint, then they would understand. You with me? You understand what I'm saying? Listening to you. You understand? Now that I am older, I look back and I see the elementary mindset that I had in that and the violation of these principles that God's telling us. Those fruits of the Spirit in Galatians are not age-limited, age-specific. They apply to young and old. Younger, I did not understand that as much as I do now and see it. And I look back and I can see how I violated a lot of that. So I think that's one of the reasons why he needed to tell me in my 30 to 50 range those principles that's outlined that you mentioned in First Peter and also in uh, Galatians, I mean the Ephesians. You, you follow me? Am I making sense? same time, now I am older, I can see the mistakes I made, and I can be careful that I don't judge others based upon my own experiences, assuming that you're acting like you're acting because you're thinking the same way I did when I was 35. No, no, i got to be careful about that. That's a temptation. I think it's part of being uh, sober-minded, temperate, um, uh, in in that, in your judgment of of the younger. The fact, I'm higher up on the mountain than you are. My field of view is a lot broader. I can see a whole lot more. And there's one young lady last week, she said, how do you know that? I said, I've been there. Okay, with that thought in mind, I still have that temptation. And that's why I've got to pride. You have to be careful about it. Because it, it eats on you when you're 30 to 50, and when you get 80, you still have that same temptation. you got to be careful about it. And I wonder if that's why, you know, if you look at the list, I mean, the older men have a longer list there. And mainly, because, uh, when you look at the list of commands, the older men have a longer list. Uh, and it's probably because we have, uh, we're more, of ex- more as expected of the older men because of that experience and, and uh, everything that, uh, the older men should know better than to behave certain ways. And so, 
That's 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 right. Yeah. And the younger men are just be self-controlled and be subject to those older than you. I mean, that's what that's what they're told, and um, or we're told, whatever the situation would be. And so, uh, um, so yeah, I think I think your point is is on. Not that I would disagree with you, because <laughs> you are older than me. <laughs> That's probably good. <laughs> All right. Anything else? You younger guys have a perspective that you want to share? Wow. You're yeah. You're younger than me. I'm a lot younger. You know, one thing, one thing I've tried to actually, I, uh, Kenny kind of reminds me, still, you know, what John had said, and even others, as I get older, she said, remember what it's like to be in their shoes. Because I'm, I'm a little bit quick, quick, you know, not as patient, not as persevering. I don't endure as much with, with some of the younger kids that uh, go through this. I've, I've already been through that feeling, I've already been through that deal with. So how do I apply those things? And one thing that, that it's helped me is okay. I got to stop. I got to put myself in their shoes. What are the feelings? What are their what are their thoughts? Um, you know, that's, that's going back, I think, to, to that list to be to be so reminded, so controlled, steadfast, to be patient with the younger ones. Because they're going through different. You know, I don't know how to explain it, but some of their some of the things they go through are different than what we did when we were there. But yet the feelings are still there, the thoughts are still there that we all had in this situation, in these situations. So put myself back in their shoes thinking, because there's times I've thought, talking to, to some of the older guys, but they're not, they're not understanding what I'm talking about. They don't, they don't know. They're not feeling what I feel. They're stuck in their own way as well. Again, it's kind of back and forth. You go back and forth through those fists with Go back and, and what was I thinking? What was I feeling when I was that age? And that's helped me some. Not saying I do it all the time. But that's what they can't think. I don't know. I remember what it's like to be that age. Uh, that's helped me quite a bit. Anything else? All right, Reagan. We'll clean it up. There's nothing really to clean up. Uh, as excellent, very helpful. Uh, I guess uh, what I would add is much of the discussion tonight kind of assumes that the relationship is already there. And my question would be, who has the larger responsibility to establish those relationships? I'm asking. The older men have the the primary responsibility. Now, younger men should seek out those relationships, too, and kind of the younger they are, the more likely they are maybe to seek out those relationships. You think about junior high kids wanting to have a relationship with high school kids, high school kids wanting to have a relationship with college kids, and at some point maybe that quits a little bit. But we think about the older men have responsibility to seek out those relationships. And when Sean asked me to 
uh, speak for a couple of minutes, I think was his uh, exact quote. Um, I thought about Paul and Timothy as well, and Paul seeking out that relationship with Timothy. And uh, we don't know their exact ages, uh, but um, Paul probably met Timothy around A.D. 44 or so, 44, 45, something like that. And then 2 Timothy, when Paul was about to die, is written about A.D. 65 or so. Uh, And he calls Timothy uh, a young man, let no one despise your youth, in 1 Timothy, which is A.D. 63, 64. Uh, and he's still young at that point. And that word can be used up to some, somebody who's up to 40 years old. But we're probably, if we're guessing, we're probably Paul met Timothy when Timothy was 15 and maybe Paul was, um, I don't know, 45, something like that. Uh, and that kind of makes it a little more real to me to think about that relationship in those terms. Uh, and then in Acts 16, uh, that would be about five years after they met, and Timothy's maybe 20, something like that. Um, and uh, Paul's maybe 50, something like that. That's when he seeks out the relationship for him to go and be with him uh, as he's journeying and preaching the gospel and so forth. Uh, And I just thought about us seeking out those relationships with younger men at any age. So you guys over here, um, you know, high school, high school, high school, junior high, uh, you need to be seeking out relationships with young men in junior high. You need to be seeking out relationships with uh, young men who are in elementary school. And then as we go back in here, junior high, right, um, elementary, same idea. Seeking out those relationships with somebody that's younger that you can uh, be an influence on, a good influence on. Uh, but also, you know, being open to those relationships with those who are older. And so I think about Acts chapter 16, 1 through 4, uh, where Timothy asks, uh, where Paul asked Timothy to travel with him, basically. Um, the text says he took him and circumcised him. I always thought that must be a little awkward, how, however that went down. Uh, but he saw the need for that relationship. Um, he sought out a young man who needed a spiritual father. We know that Timothy's father was not a Christian. It's possible that he was dead by this point, but that's not clear in the text. Uh, it's, it speaks of him in the past tense, but that's not, not necessarily, doesn't necessarily mean that he's dead. But this is a young man who did not have a spiritual father. And Paul is intentional in seeking out that relationship. And we all know young men in that situation. Either uh, their father's not involved in their life, or uh, their father's not a Christian. Um, and we need to be seeking out those relationships specifically. He sees that need Uh, that this man needs that kind of spiritual influence in his life. He saw the potential in Timothy. And maybe it was easier in in Timothy because everybody talked good about him and so forth, but I think we need to see the potential, and especially when we think about the young men that we come in contact with and uh, whose parents or one of their parents are, are members of the church who are Christians. We need to see the potential in those young men and try and draw that potential out, which is what he does. Paul sought out the relationship, um, and we need to do that as well. And one way that I might suggest is uh, teaching a Bible class is a great way to get to know these young people. Um, if you teach a Bible class, high school or junior high. Um, and then he spent the time with him. Uh, they spent a lot, a lot of time together. And there are lots of ways that we can spend that time. Uh, it might be having a conversation. It might be 
uh, hosting a devotional for that age group. It might be employing them in your work. I think about Monty and, and all of the young men and young women as well that, that he takes and has work for him and the relationships that he gets with them. Maybe it's taking them out to lunch uh, or out to eat, especially maybe once they're in college, if we have that opportunity. Uh, speak to them at services. Ask them questions about their life and what's happening with them. Uh, attend an extracurricular. Maybe it's a ball game. Maybe it's a concert if they're in band. Maybe it's the stock show if they're showing something. Uh, maybe it's getting on social media uh, so that we can interact with them in that way. Maybe it's uh, sharing something with them. I think, uh, I don't, oh, Tim's back there, B's back there. You know, he always, he always has something that he says with the kids, right? And so he taught the junior high class, and he says, uh, you're salt. What do they say back? You're light. Um, and I can't remember who it was, but under the portico out here, there was a, a lady who is, uh, a, I don't know how old she is. I'm going to get myself in trouble if I try and say because I don't remember who exactly it was. And B had taught her Bible class, you know, 20 years ago or whatever. Um, oh, I do remember who it is, so I'm not going to say. Uh, but he had taught her Bible class 20 years ago. Was it 20 years ago? Something like that? Um, and uh, he said something to her, and she responded back. And I just thought that was incredible. You know, that relationship is endured because of uh, what he's put into that. So see the need see the potential, seek out the relationship, spend the time, and then finally keep in touch. And that's what Paul did with Timothy, right? He writes him these letters. He keeps in touch with him even after physically uh, they're not there. And then maybe the last thing that I would say is that there is a real advantage sometimes to having a spiritual mentor who is not uh, your blood kin. I, th I think there's a real power to that kind of relationship. Now, I love my father. I had, you know, two grandfathers who were good Christian men, and I, those relationships are invaluable to me. But there's something different about the spiritual fathers and grandfathers that I've had in the faith. And I'm just going to uh, mention two specifically. Um, you know, Harold is old enough to be my father, and he's had a great influence on my life. And Bill Reeves was, you know, my wife's grandfather, old enough to be my grandfather. Uh, and there's the same amount of love there as there would be for blood kin. Uh, but in some ways, you're able to uh, act, act better. <laughs> Maybe that's the best way of putting it. Uh, with Harold, even though he's like a father to me, there are times where I'm more respectful of him than I am even of my own father, and maybe that's to my own shame, uh, but uh, I'm not going to speak to Harold the way I've spoken to my father in some, some cases. And when Harold comes to me, and as he has at different points, say, I think you're wrong about this, or have you thought about this, and he's always so kind about it because that's the kind of man he is, you know, I don't bow up, I don't say it's none of your business, you know, I stop and really think about it, um, maybe even in a way that I wouldn't with my own father. And then with Bill Reeves, um, raise your hand if you knew Bill. Okay, so you, you know that this is coming from a place of love uh, when I say this. You know, Bill, uh, he could be very direct in his criticism. Um, and I knew he loved me. He loved, he loved me like his own child. But he could be very direct in his criticism. 
Uh, and I saw even with some of his own family how um, maybe that hurt them in some ways. But for me, he could be very direct with his criticism and it, and it, and it didn't hurt my feelings in the same way if my own grandfather had talked to me like that. You know, that would have really hurt my feelings, but because it was Bill, it was like, yeah, he's probably right, you know. Um, or, no, nah, I don't agree with that, but it didn't, didn't, um, didn't hurt my feelings in the same way. And so there's a real advantage of having these mentors who are not your blood kin just because it's a different kind of relationship. Um, and so, so I would encourage you to seek those out, and especially the older men, we have a responsibility to seek out those relationships with younger men. Um, so that's just an addendum to what Sean said, which was excellent. I'd encourage everybody to take a picture of that and then do that. Um, do you have somebody picked out to lead a prayer or anything? Um, well, let's all be back next month, I guess, um, or that's the end of this month, I believe, is the next date. Uh, and uh, I'll send something out on that. But um, uh, anybody have anything to add before we're dismissed? Uh, Andy, will you lead us in a prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time that we've had to come together and study a portion of thy word tonight. We ask you to be with us in our different stages of life and help us to be good influences on those around us. Help us to take the knowledge that we, we learned tonight and use it in our everyday lives. Please be with us and keep us safe. Christ's name, amen. Amen.